everybody, Greg Bedford from Medford Knife, MKDUSA, and Greg's World. Welcome to Greg's World. We're going to be uh, talking to Congressman Blackman today. Um, he's come in from uh, where he lives up in Snowflake. Uh, man, we've got a lot of territory to cover. I've just given him a tour of the facility. We're going to bring him in now and sit down and chat. Um, you know, not meant to be a uh, gotcha. It's going to be just a cordial sit down and fun. Congressman Blackman, come on in and join us. <laughs> <laughs> come on in okay. oh we got to be a little knee to knee up close and personal the way we're set up in this okay. small room so, so just go ahead and sit right there and uh kind of straddle up on the barrel here like okay. you're facing in right All here right. okay all right a little bit to your right yep like coming in straight here oh yeah that's good yeah. all right and then straight uh, yep I mean? and yep knee to knee just like we are knee and then uh, go right. ahead and put your headset on I'm there like i'm in a tank <laughs> yeah it's close up knee to knee I'm like hey what's going on boss <laughs> and then uh, just shoot just the shoot <laughs> microphones you want just about an inch from your mouth so just kind of adjust it up there okay and then while we're talking if you uh kind of gimbal around the mic you, all right you won't fade in and out for everybody uh, okay how yeah. you doing i'm doing good thanks for having me i appreciate it well we appreciate you coming in so we've been on social media now for about 10 years i started well 11 years i started really doing social media for a knife company before most people were yeah and it was just serendipitous and it was and so we have a pretty big footprint that's probably bigger than it ought to be but just because i was in early it's nice um we're gonna i want to talk about a few things with you today so we met at the trump rally recently yeah, we did we uh did. and uh like uh you've you're two years into a political career right now yeah second term second term so Congressman Blackman is uh, out of Snowflake, Arizona. Yeah. Uh, he is a representative from Arizona's 6th Congressional District at the state level right yeah. now. Legislative District. Legislative yeah. District, yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, there, and, and I believe there are 60 House seats here in Arizona. You're yes. one of those, right? I'm one of those. Okay, yeah. so there's 60 House, 30 Senate, I believe. Yeah. It's been a while since my Arizona yeah. Civics class. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we're 29, uh, 31 and 29 right now. We've got, we hold a close majority. Okay. Okay. And uh, obviously, he, well, not obviously, but he's a Republican. Yeah. yeah. Arizona's first black legislative Republican. Is that yes. right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. How the hell did that happen in 2019? You know, I don't know. You know, well. No, I mean, I don't mean how did we get a black. I'm like, how is it 2019 that it was the first black the first, guy? The first black guy. Well, yeah. be because the other seven black people in Arizona didn't run. Well, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. They said, "No, I'm not doing that. It's, no, it's, I'm not going to do that." Like, wait a minute, we got a black guy running for Congress. Who, who's this guy? Who's so, this guy? So, uh, you're out of Snowflake, how, and you've been up in Snowflake since you got out of the army. Yes, in 2016. All right, cool. So let's back up a little bit, and we'll jump into Arizona, and then All we'll right. jump into U.S. politics in a minute. Sure. We met at the Trump rally, and we were cracking up because my mom and I had been talking about you because you're uh, you're kind of in the in the work up to the primary race right now. Yes, I am. So, for those of you who has been a long time since your civics class, every two years, uh, representatives are up for election, re-election, every two years. Every two years. So, he is going up against Tom O'Halloran, which is a Democrat that's held the seat for, I think, six years now. Yeah, he's occupied it. He's occupied it. <laughs> uh, and so, uh, as a, a former tank commander, they're getting ready to do a frontal assault and take him out. I hope you do. Yeah. Um, it seems like Arizona's got a funny 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 political paradigm we'll have conservatives that vote a little liberal and we'll yeah. have democrats that vote a little conservative yeah yeah those are the blue dogs i call them yeah. <laughs> well we got a lot of conflicting um 
we have a lot of conflicting diversity and needs in the state between the Indian communities, the Mexican community, yep. the you rural. know main Anglo community, the rural and the big cities. So yep. there's and it's probably the same in every state. Every yep. state's got some of that, yep. but we have a big Indian population here. We native do. population. We do. Navajo Nation is one of the, it's the biggest in the United States. Okay, and that's up in your district, right? It is uh, Four Corners area. Yes, it is. All yeah. right, beautiful up there. So. Uh, uh, tell us a little bit about you being born, born in Portugal. You're kind of an Air Force brat, born on an Army base. Is that about right? Yeah. Well, I was born in a place called uh, Lodgesfield. It's an Air Force base, and and it's it's surprised how that happened. So my parents met in San Antonio, where my dad went to basic training, and uh, he he stayed there for a while. And uh, when he, uh, I guess when my mom was pregnant, she was like nine, eight months pregnant. Uh, he got stationed uh, in Lodgesfield. And uh, she said, "You're not going by yourself." And they and they said she could smart fly. move. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> very smart move. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She's like, "Yeah, yeah, you doing? Yeah, that. I'm going with you." Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so he went over first, and uh, she she kicked and screamed to get on the aircraft to go over to Lodgesville, and she wasn't supposed to fly. So she flew over uh, to Portugal, Lodgesville, and I was born like the month, the next month, um, and you know, my parents said my first language was Portuguese. And I'm like, I don't even know. Yeah, come on. Can I order a burger or something in it, you know? And uh, stayed there. Then went back to Texas. Went to Buffalo, New York. Then went to uh, Fort, uh, not Fort, but an Air Force base in Louisiana. Okay. And uh, my dad went to Vietnam and from 70 to 71. Uh, he was at uh, Cameron Base and uh, Air Force Security Police. And then after that, uh, we moved to Germany. And uh, lived, lived and grew up in Germany, a place called Wiesbaden. And uh, my dad was stationed at a place called Lindsay Air Station, where he was a cop. And uh, he, matter of fact, he retired after 26 years, and he is still there. Oh, you're kidding? No, yeah, yeah. He, I mean, no, I'm not kidding. No, he's still there. He, I call him a black German. So, yeah. <laughs> so he retired and just stayed in Germany. He retired and stayed in Germany. He uh, after he retired, he worked for the uh, Department of the Army um, as a civilian yeah. and was the deputy provost marshal because he's real big in the law enforcement. Did a lot of work with the Polish Eye and other nations uh, law enforcement, uh, and um, bought a house and lives there. And I'm like, okay, hysterical. But he can't vote. <laughs> <laughs> and he's not a citizen. So, yeah, and he reminds me of that. So maybe our country should do a little bit more with uh, what Germany does when they're for their immigration. Yeah. Yeah, you can't be an illegal and uh, or just a visitor and vote. Yeah, seems reasonable. Yeah. Seems great. Yeah. Okay, so sprechen Sie Deutsch? Ein Bier bitte. Ein Bier bitte. Okay, yeah, so it. a little bit. That's it. That's all right. All so you were in the American school on base. I was. A place okay. called General H.H. H. Arnold High School. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, uh, came, did you go to high school in Europe as well? Sure did. Went to elementary, uh, middle school, and high school. So, you were up in, were you mostly in V-Spot in the whole time? The whole time. Oh, V-Spot. Okay. But I did a lot of traveling around. Yeah, all okay. right. So, when I played sports, uh, we went all the way to a place called uh, Osterhof, Osterhof or whatever, and that's like about six, seven hours away. Went to Berlin and played. Mm -hmm. um, what so, were you playing? What game? Football. You played football? Yeah, I played football. And okay. uh, played, I tried to play some basketball. Not all black people can play basketball. I'm I'm a living proof of that. <laughs> I just want to let you know. <laughs> yeah. So I uh, played a little basketball, yeah, but I, football was the big deal. Okay. I played a lot of ball. Awesome. Uh, now, you 
uh, did you graduate from high school, go straight into college here? Or what was graduated from high school from Germany? Yep. And then went to school, a little, a little school called Southwest Texas State University down in San Marcos, Texas. Okay. Went there and then finished up at the University of Texas. And then went, went to work for the U.S. Department of Labor. You've heard of Gary Job Corps? I have. Yeah, I did. I was a counselor for uh, Gary Job Corps uh, students. And then I decided to go in the military after that because I wanted to do a little bit something more and, and serve. So, All right. 21 years in the Army? 21 years as an Army. Tank, tanks most of the time? All, all the time. Tanks the whole time? The whole time. Were you in, uh, uh, so you were M1 Abrams or what? Yeah, started in the M1 straight Abrams mm -hmm. and then went to the M1A2s and then uh, graduated to the SEPs. Did some time on the MGSs, the main gun system with a 105. And then also my last actually platoon sergeant job, I was a striker platoon sergeant. Well, we had strikers, then we had two MGSs, we had a squad of infantry, and then uh, we had uh, one tank or two tanks in that. Uh, and so the, the armor folks sort of uh, kind of did the Frankenstein of the the new the new deployment of this of the weapon system of the tank and the 105 weapon system with the infantry folks fighting with us. Cool. And you uh, were not you obviously were an officer. Uh, no, no, no. You were enlisted. NCO. Oh, I thought you. Were, I thought. Oh I read... no, NCO. Oh okay. Yeah, yeah I retired as a master sergeant. Yeah. Oh okay. Yeah, NCO. Yeah. Okay, and I kind of like you a little bit better because I'm getting ready to fucking bag on zero. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was like, after what you know, we started touching on what's gone down in Afghanistan oh, in the last man. few days. We could do a whole show on it, but. Um, to hear, if you watch the replays of what generals have been saying for 20 years as a montage, it is a, uh, it is a swamp sucking straw of bullshit. It's, all, un, um, it's hard to believe that yeah. they said it out loud in public, what was being said. All of them should have uh, no promote OERs. All oh, of them. All, yeah. yeah they, all of them. You're kinder than I am. I feel like after, as soon as you pass colonel, um, there, there are survivors and no creators there. Yep. It's surviving and how to not take blame and negotiate through the waters oh, of politics. Yeah. yeah. They, yeah. they, they'll, they'll do the blame. They'll do oh, the blame. Awful. Well, we're going to talk about that towards the end of the show because yeah. I'm hot under the collar about it. I could derail the whole hour. Yeah. And thank um, you for your service too. Oh, in the Marine Corps. Yeah. Appreciate thank that. You. I would have done it for free in retrospect. <laughs> um, you know, I wanted to talk a little bit. So we got you growing up, you get out of the army. Um, where, where'd you meet your wife? I met her online and during my first deployment to Iraq. So she actually would send uh, boxes of candy and all that good stuff into Iraq. I was in a place called, oh man, uh, Fob Warhorse. And the camp that we were in were camp, was Camp Scunion. Imagine that. Scunion. So, so, yeah. when, um, so you have 2004. One, one deployment? I have two combat deployments um, and then the rest were peacekeeping deployments. So seven altogether. An 04 and what was the other one? The other one was in 2014. 2014, so 10 years apart. And yes. So you had an Iraq and Afghan deployment. Yeah, and in between that, uh, Kosovo or uh, Latvia. And then when I was with the operations group at the NTC, we would sometimes go over into theater just to monitor the units that went over after we had trained them to, to get, to, but I don't count. Man, I like you better now that I found out you're enlisted the whole time. Oh, yeah. I was like, shit, man, I think you're some privilege zero. God damn it. Uh, oh, no. better. All right, fantastic. No, no, we bit uh, some of the same dust probably. Oh, uh, unbelievable. Yeah. So, uh, and then you went over, and uh, in, in, what was your mission in Afghanistan? So the first, uh, the, 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 the mission in Afghanistan was actually, and we're going to get into it, to, to do the initial 
uh, closing of some of those fobs over there, mm-hmm. some of those cops over there. Yeah. So I did. I flew around a lot to some of these. Uh, I didn't fly. I flew in the back of the road. Yeah, I rode. I rode. Yep. Um, and we would go to some of these places to make sure that we could uh, close them in a timely manner. And that timely manner uh, was like in 20 years or 15 years, a phase out, a general phase out mm-hmm. uh, that President Trump wanted to do. So yeah. we did a lot of that, did a lot of combat patrols uh, with some of the uh, infantry units just to make sure, just to go with them. And mm-hmm. because my job was a little bit different as a senior NCO, I yeah. wasn't, I wasn't uh, a, a... You weren't kicking down doors. I wasn't kicking down doors. Right. And, and, and you know, I love my infantry, my infantry brothers, but I, you know, I, I like to ride. Hey, it ain't for everybody. Let me tell yeah, you. and I didn't have a tank in Afghanistan. I, you know, so I either had to walk around with these guys in the back of a strike. Listen, my right knee wishes I wasn't in the infantry right now. <laughs> trust me. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't kicking down doors, but I got a, I got to do a lot of uh, with that. So I was assigned to the Second Cavalry Regiment out of Germany. Okay. And we were attached to the Fourth Infantry Division, which is out of Fort Carson, and uh, we were in RC South. Uh, and regional command south, and at uh, oh Jesus, I can't even think. Uh, Balad, not Balad. I'm thinking that's that's a that's a wreck. I can't even think of the darn place I was at. Well, that's all right. It doesn't matter. Tell me about um, uh, Kandahar. Oh, you were in Kandahar. Kandahar, okay. yeah, the Poupon. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you know, I you, you always get stuff off of uh, uh, Wikipedia, and yeah. you can't tell what's all there. Said you got a bronze star and some other meritorious stuff for uh, service. Good for you. Same thing. Appreciate your service. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same thing. Everybody. Else yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Appreciate it. Um, so uh, you get out of the military. You met your wife online. Yeah. Where's she from? She's from Snowflake. Okay, so that ends up how you end up in Snowflake. Exactly. Actually, her family founded the town. Oh. Yeah. That. Yeah. That's. Yeah. That's quite the first date. <laughs> so. Uh, you, so I'll, I'm going to fast forward a little bit. Yeah. You walk up to a group of, I mean, I'm, you, I don't know if you were doing glad handing all day, but I saw you walk across the whole front of the place. Uh-huh. You walked right up to me, reached across an aisle and we started talking and then you just walked away and I turned to Jason and I said, what, how'd he come up and say hi to me? Who is that so, guy? <laughs> what, 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 uh, what made you come over and say hello to me? Because you look like a vet. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah. I mean, I mean, come on, you, you know, you, you can kind of tell vets. What, is that hostile disdain and scruffy beard look? No, we're just looking around all the time. <laughs> yeah. so, what was funny is, uh, my mom and I have been talking about yeah. you, and uh, she and you're you're uh, running. You, do you have one other person or a couple other people in the primary? We have a couple other people, and I, I actually I'm the front runner right now. So, okay, yeah. and I knew there was a Navy SEAL who has got a yes. Uh, He's making bottle openers out of 50 cal bullets or something. Yeah. I don't know if he's still doing it anymore. Yeah. And I don't want to belittle that. I don't really, yeah. I didn't do research. He's not coming to see me because we reached out to them and they were unavailable. So good for you for being here. Wow. Um, you know, I, and I was talking to you about this earlier, you know, the business that I'm in, there's no magic to it. It's every day doing the work. It's the handshakes. It's the phone calls. It's the talking. It's meeting and everybody. Yeah. People say, how do you get to be known by a million people? You introduce yourself to a million people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> my first uh, campaign, um, I, you know, no name uh, was my wife and I. And my and my uh, objective every day was to talk to a hundred people, and I did that. Got out and and talked to them about real issues, not not this BS that you that, mm-hmm. you, that you see on these ads or or these pamphlets that come to your house. Real issues that affect people, cool, um, that needed change. So I did that. So I want to talk to you about stuff here. So let's get into stuff. it a little bit. Yeah, here we go. So um, do 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 do. We got through all that. You were uh, in addition to your 
combative tank responsibilities. You ended up in a as a senior senior program manager, sexual assault prevention and diversity. Yeah. So did it, that get dumped in your lap because you were the black guy? It got dumped in my lap. Well, actually, it got dumped in my lap because I was the only one with a clean background. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fordero, when uh, I was uh, assigned to the 11th Armored uh, Cavalry Regiment, getting ready to PCS, which is moved to a new duty station and Fort Irwin. I'm not sure if you've been on Fort Irwin, but it's a small type of community in the middle of nowhere. Everybody knows where everybody lives. Regimental command. Uh, this is Fort Worth, up in Washington. No, no, this is in California okay. and, and, and the Mojave Desert. It's where, oh, okay, okay. it's like the last stop that brigade combat teams go to train before they uh, ship out overseas. To okay, I don't speak Army that much, so yeah. I gotta keep up with you. Yeah, <laughs> okay. So Fort Irwin is in California. What's Fort Lewis is the one I was thinking about. Fort Washington. Lewis, okay, yeah. disregard, disregard. Yeah, that's a striker, uh, that's a striker brigade okay. or striker unit. So, uh, small community, everybody knows where everybody lives. I go home after a rotation, field rotation, uh, and a car pulls up behind me. It's a regimental sergeant major. Reg, and he gets out, and I'm thinking that one of my guys did something uh, stupid. Uh -oh. uh, yeah. yeah. And he says, hey, listen, I know you're uh, getting ready to PCS. Uh, I was getting ready to go on track, actually, to West Point to be a TAC NCO, uh, teach some of those knuckleheads up there. And he says, uh, we need you to be the uh, equal opportunity sexual assault guy. I'm like. Oh, shit. Yeah. Well, actually, I was like, what's that? <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, because I'm a meat eater, you know, uh, you know, arm, you know, armor, infantry, artillery type of. You've been doing uh, real stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And because of all the things that have been going on in the military, just, you know, the tail hook and all the sharp stuff, uh, the uh, they needed that. And uh, so he counseled my uh, PCS orders to West Point, extended me out. And then I had to go to a school that uh, actually taught uh, equal opportunity. But it's not the kind of crap that you hear. On, it's not critical race theory. It's not critical race theory. It's actually about being responsible, and if you do something wrong, you go to freaking jail. So let me ask you about this, okay? Because, when, like, I was in the infantry. Um, the only time I was around black guys was in boot camp. And yeah. then when I got to Marine Corps infantry, there weren't any black guys. There's not, it was all white dudes. And there's not there's not a lot of blacks in infantry. That's that's across all the branches. So yeah. and, and, you know, there there are a bunch of reasons. I've read all kinds of studies on why it is, um, but it shorts people on some combat experience. It sure does. Uh, which shorts you when you're up for general, and it shorts you when you're up for augmentation in the Marine Corps for captain. So there are a lot of things that combat experience affords you in your career, yep. but you got to make that tough choice in the beginning and a lot of guys get job they they're leaving uh they're leaving uh let's say uh they're they're going to the military for opportunity instead supply, of for adventure supply and, and logistics well they go and they get something that they think is translatable out into the world yeah. someone says go in the military to get work experience and i was always like screw that there's yeah. only i only want to do the one thing here you can't do anywhere else well, let's go the, get bad guys well that's the military's job right you know everybody else's support so um you end up uh uh, as this diversity and training thing, and it's a little in contratant of what you've done your whole career. Yes, it was. How long did you do that for? I did that for about five, six years. Holy smokes, that's a real hitch. Yeah, five, six years. However, it was it it was like a branch detail. So you do. I would still do my armor job or cavalry job, and then I would also yeah. So it wasn't. Oh, so you were double duty. Yeah, they didn't take me out of the okay. fight. What okay. they did is say, okay, so you're you're you over you watch this this these issues, but you still go out and pull triggers. What I was kind of getting at was there was a, in the group that I was in, it was pretty homogenous and it was knuckle dragon for sure. Oh yeah. And there seems there's there's a kind of there's a headbutting of what society wants, and what 
the infantry, for instance, just my experience in the Marine Corps, we were kind of blunt instruments and yeah. a really good group of guys, like, you know, if you're pinned down and you got a problem and you get an infantry platoon of Marines, uh, it's, it's going to shake the whole thing up. It's a, we were, it we is. were, we were disruptors for sure. It is, it but, is. but not great for like dating your daughters around base, <laughs> but you got the job done. Yeah, but I it's a it's a lot of weight that's been put on a demographic demographic of people that will do something that's absolutely insane because yeah. your average person, doctor, lawyer, physician, 55-year-old white lady voting Democrat party, they would never go walking into a gunfight to yeah. help out somebody in a exactly. house down the road or, or walk into a building where they know there could be a house born IED. That's right. They're or not, you have no idea what's coming. Yeah. Yeah. And you that. just saw your buddy blown up on the last block. Yeah. So, it's a it's an almost a fuzzy it's a it's a reality most people can't really get. No. And then we want them to be gentlemen. Yeah. And that's a challenge. Yeah. And and, and you know what? I, I don't see anybody shirking from the responsibility. I don't know if it's the best use of time and energy and effort, but the military is doing a lot of parenting. Yeah. It, we're, and we're, I'm not even being critical well, of it. We're holding a lot of hands. Uh, yes. And I'm not even being critical of it. Um, from I, I can see that it's probably necessary, especially yeah. as the military gets more women in combat roles and they're going to be around there we got to be like okay well you know we can't just draw and core everybody and have sex with the broken parts i mean you guys are animals we got to calm that down but you want animals when you're running into the iron triangle and yeah you know outside that, of fallujah <laughs> that's why we call them meat eaters yeah you know and and because if, if, if we don't have people that actually would go out and do that voluntarily think of where we would be I mean, look, well, I mean, we're I in a bad place now. I know. But, you know, you mentioned Fallujah. I mean, we, the Iron Triangle, you know, RPG Alley down in Bakuba. I mean, you needed guys to go out and actually say, yeah, I know I'm going to get hit, but I got to hit back, and I'm doing this for a bigger cause. And uh, I just wanted to spill the, the, the myth. You know, a lot of folks say, well, infantry guys and armor guys and cavalry guys are doing it for their country. Yeah, but we're doing it for the guy sitting right next to us, too. Yeah, and half the guys I was with did it for fun. Yeah. I well, mean, well, that's Marine infantry. It's a little different. I yeah, mean, I, different. I try to explain to people, I'm going, well, you know, you could talk to about John Stuart Mills and egalitarianism. Yeah. Some bitches just want to blow something. They just up. want to shoot something. Yeah. They, and and they're legal. Just tell me who's a bad guy. <laughs> I want to get them, boss. You yeah. know, like, and those are great guys to have around. Yeah, but, you yeah. know, you got to cordon them off from everybody. And I don't think, yeah. you know, we don't have honest conversations about that because yeah. you, you don't. You got to have discipline of fires. And, they, and they're very disciplined. If you just said, if, like, you know, you would never hear a. A, a, an officer a public affairs officer oh in the marine gosh. corps ever say infantry guys are animals they do an awful job and they eat red meat <laughs> that's why we have them yeah. but that's the truth well yeah who else is going to do it and then so now we're asking a lot of youngsters besides all the technology we're throwing at high school guys we're asking them to be ambassadors we're asking them to be gentlemen and they have different backgrounds and upbringing and a lot of your your officer cadre it's a it's a big challenge and i so yeah. you, you got forced into that breach a little bit i did and was it and, helpful uh f now for me now uh and and, and for was a while, it helpful for the army guys that you worked with well, or was it a pain in the ass it was a pain in the ass because here here it was <laughs> okay. it really was and, and you know we're being real about it so yeah, i appreciate your honesty you know so so when you when you when you go into a combat arms unit and you're trying to teach equal opportunity mm. these guys are looking at you like mm. what the hell are you talking about right, right. I, just, I need to go out and bore side my tank you're wasting my time okay, okay. so 
you get out of the military and uh, you start up a uh, consulting firm. Yes. HG, uh, well, I don't know. I don't so see. what it is. It's, uh, it's the WB Inclusion Diversity Consulting Firm. Yes. And what it is, it's actually a victim advocacy firm. And I do mediation also. This is stuff that I've learned in the military to be able to take with me. And the victim advocacy is basically for sexual assault victims. Okay. The, you know, and you know, you know, even even in uh, the Meat Eaters Club, we have sexual assaults. We had sexual assaults in the DOD, in the military, and in, in the Department of Army. We've ha- we had that. Yeah. And it's a big. It's a stain. Yeah, it's, it's an awful it's an awful grind in the exactly. background of life there. Exactly. Yeah. It's a cancer and needed to be cut it out. And so I saw that transition into civilian civilian life. And I do that. And I do that uh, pro bono. I don't uh, charge. I don't uh, uh, I just don't do this. So now for some classes I'll probably uh, charge, you know, three or four bucks. Like, you know? <laughs> like, if, like if a firm hires you to come in and talk. Yeah, I okay. do that. But but when we're talking about sexual assault victims, that's a big deal. And and I've so, got a, so we're not talking about this crazy conversation that's oh, going no. on in the country right now. So, oh, no, no. Because no. here's the thing. When I read your bio, yeah. it reads like a Democrat in the making. Yeah. And it sounds like a Democrat in the yeah, making. And then exactly. I meet you and I looked at your voting record and I was like, eh, he's, yeah. he's voking, he's walking, he's talking like a Republican. Exactly, exactly. Uh, but, his, but, but now, it, you know, this is not like race identity. Uh, this is... No, hell no. So, okay. Because th- these things really happen in big organizations. Yeah, And, yeah. It, you know, in every group of a thousand or, ten, you know, you yeah. do traveling trips stuff happens to people because people are messy exactly exactly my deal is to give that victim the type of care that they need in a collective a collective environment that they don't have to keep telling their story over and over and over and that's what we see now right the woke stuff the crt stuff i don't even touch that stuff okay my 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 goal is to help victims of sexual assault and that's what i do how did you get interested in that just because your experience in the army well, seeing it? yeah and okay. and and uh the first time that i had to deal with a sexual assault victim uh the person was probably about as old as my oldest child oh. and walked into my office and it it surprisingly it wasn't a female it was uh, a male and young kid was sexually assaulted mm. and um, that right there I had to see a significant emotional event. And I said that I would do whatever I could in my capacity to be able to help people of sexual assaults. And um, with the skill and the, and the training that I learned, I just, when I retired, I said, you know what, I'm going to do this. And I did that. And uh, um, pretty good at it. Pretty well, good at helping people. That probably means you've got some good empathy to be able to handle that and yeah, uh, yeah, not get yeah. bruised inside too yeah. much from handling yeah. that because it's messy. Yeah, so we have sensed a change in the name of my company because of the, the uh, when I started diversity and inclusion, it wasn't this Critical crap. race theory stuff, yeah. So we have since changed it, and it is the WB Victim Advocacy uh, Consulting. So we changed the, uh, we changed the, the, the victim advocacy is still there, but we had to change that because I don't want people to think that I'm freaking woke. Well, it's still the way it reads. It re- it read crooked to me. So yeah. I was like, hmm. Mm. All right, so we could brainstorm on a different name. All right, yeah. ready, let's move yeah, on. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> yeah. So now you're running for the uh, United States 1st Congressional District out of Arizona yes. for the U.S. Congress. Yes. Um, and uh, you've got a really interesting demographic in your district. You've yeah. got, in the district you're running for, you've got, the largest uh, native population in the country, native yeah. tribe. Yep, uh, and the Apaches. 
Uh, yeah, so you've got a lot of Native Americans. Um, you got a bunch of good old boys and hillbillies out in the sure, mountains. Yep, sure do. <laughs> Where I live, yeah. you got big Mexican contingent down in the southern portion. Yep. Um, there, I think we've got uh, nine congressional or U.S. Uh, House of Rep seats here in Arizona. Yes, we do. So you're running for the uh, District One. Yeah. Now the guy you're running against, he's a Democrat. He's got some flops that he's done on some some major votes where he's voted uh, in a way that us conservatives out here kind of vote. Um, tell me a little bit. I wanted to ask you a couple of things. There were um, you did a couple of votes that set you apart from the Republican Party in the yeah. last two years. Mm-hmm. Um, one was the low income housing tax credit. Yeah. So can you give us just really quickly, I know this is dry information for everybody outside, but can you frame it really quick and let me know why you were out of step with the Republicans on that? Because of the diversity of our district, it was needed. So in Flagstaff, there is a high cost of living there, Mm -hmm. folks. A one-bedroom apartment is like 1200 bucks. A kid can't afford that. Okay. Okay. Then we had a lot of small businesses, contractors that would start housing development businesses. And I'm not talking about the type of housing development of welfare. I'm talking about uh, great housing at the reasonable price. And it helped small business, it helped students, and it helped those folks that just really needed a, a step up. So I, I voted on a step for that because my community needed it. So the Republicans were against it and you voted for it? I voted for it. Did it pass or not pass? You know what? I can't remember if that one passed or not. <laughs> I just saw that you were out of step with the Republicans. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I see stuff like that and I... Uh, you know, I don't. I don't want to say it's courageous because we've probably been around some courageous stuff. Yeah. But I, I think it's just having a soul when you're not in lockstep with the herd. Well, that that too, and a lot of folks will go to a legislative body, get elected, or go to Congress, what have you, and then do that lockstep, and they vote to save their seat. Mm-hmm. I don't do that. I've you know after serving in the military for so so long, you do the right thing. We used to call it choosing the hard right over the easy wrong. And sometimes, you know, being a legislator, you have to choose the hard right. right. And, and the hard right is taking care of your constituents. And that, you know, that was the the founding fathers were really clear on this. You know, they were very clear that people raising children and working jobs can't be up to speed on the nuances of so many issues. It's very rare to find yeah. somebody whose hobby is public policy like mine. Uh, so to find our representative democracy, to have people out there who kind of make it their mission to be what's aware of what's going on, yeah. I feel like a good representative is going to be in step with me 80 to 90% of the time and 15% they're going to be voting. And then it's my job to find out why the hell they were out of step with the crew. Exactly. And then I look and go, oh, okay, exactly. I get it. Exactly. Whenever you look a little bit, you could find the nuance of why they're well, out of step. Or you just go, oh, their dad was in the construction business. And you go, yeah. all right, get that rat bastard out of office. Yeah, yeah, I don't have anybody <laughs> in the construction business. But I do see, like, for example, in the Navajo Nation, uh, we've got people that don't have electricity. Right. They don't have water. You have folks that are still using outhouses. Mm-hmm. So to vote for a bill that will continue to push that type of environment, it's hard for me. It would be hard for me to look at myself in the mirror at night. Those okay. that's choosing your hard right over the easier wrong. Okay, but I've been accused of being too conservative too. So talk, <laughs> talk to me about uh, there was a bill for uh, shelter beds for homeless over fifty five years of age. Exactly, you were out of step with the Republicans on that. I guess the Republicans didn't want to put up any money to pay for that. Exactly. So here's the deal: we look at demographics. 55 over, we're, look, we're talking about veterans. Mm-hmm. A lot of those veterans make their way up into northern Arizona into the rim country where it's a lot of wooded area. Mm-hmm. The problem is, is that when the winter months hit us, and they hit us pretty quickly up in northern Arizona, they get trapped up there. 
So in order to be able to help a lot of those veterans and those folks that are 55 plus, it's an opportunity to do that. Also, if you heard of, uh, we do a thing called stand-down days, veteran stand-down days. We see a lot of veterans that w- will come up to these programs and veteran stand-down days is you give them a, a hot bath, give them a, a meal, you do a checkup, make sure that they, they got winter clothes for the winter because we know they're going to be in the woods. And that's where I found out a lot of information that these guys and gals and the majority of them, 72% of them are veterans. Okay. And so these beds would actually help veterans and not just somebody who just living off the uh, welfare dime. And uh, these are actually people that served our country, hit a bad time, and they're sleeping on the ground yeah. in the middle of the woods. Yeah. That's not right. We need to take care of veterans, and that's what I did. Yeah, you know what? I don't want my countrymen sleeping on the ground any damn place. And that's the challenge that everybody's in when, when soft-hearted, tender-hearted lefties kind of come at us as conservatives. They think we just want to throw everybody out, and we don't. But there's got you got to draw a line someplace, and we argue, we used to argue about where the line was drawn. Yeah. Now we're arguing about blowing up the blowing up the the ship. We're yeah. We're they want to blow up the ship. Yeah. Well, they, you know they want. I feel like they want to spend us into bankruptcy, and then go look. Capitalism didn't work. Exactly. Twenty eight trillion dollars in debt by two thousand uh, twenty five will be fifty trillion. We got that infrastructure project bill. I call it. I call it a spending spree, which is ridiculous. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, okay, you're gonna. You're getting ready to leave. Hopefully, you are elected. I hope. I hope you do are elected. I hope you are elected, and I'm gonna vote for you. Thank you. Uh, talk to me a little bit about your sentiments for states' rights versus uh, uh, federalism, federal rights. Yeah, the yeah. conflict that has been there, and every legislator who goes from the small to the the big, as you work your way through a legislative career, you are you have these interest spheres that start to change. Yeah, have you thought at all about how yeah. you're going to bring this to the national kind of the national stage? Talk to me a little bit. Yeah. About well, that. first of all, being a state legislator, the federal government was always in our way. We need to get out of the way of, of, of states. We need states are sovereign. Arizona's a sovereign state. We need to get out of that. So one example of that is the amount of land mass that the state has given away to the federal government. Fifty-two percent of our land mass is owned by the federal government. In constitution, in the constitution, we're not even supposed to have that. It's supposed to be a little over ten percent, as you know. So what I wrote a bill um, that in the state house. Uh, to it's called the Federal uh, Land Act, Act, Federal Land Acquisition Act, and what it did, it it actually gave back our land to the state, so we can create our own revenues and we, we do we, our own thing. Exactly, do our own things. Yeah. That is what I want to do in a bigger sphere of things. When we're to, when we are looking at states that the federal government has more land than it's constitutionally allowed. That's something that I want to do. It seems like uh, the federal government and Thomas Jefferson was really concerned about this, and so was Thomas Paine as they talk about the federal government. And they didn't say this, but it's my analogy. They're like a boa constrictor. Mm-hmm. And anytime there's any weakness or wobble at the state level, the federal government seems to come in and vacuum up that space, yeah. but they don't ever back off. Yeah, yeah. Um, so listen, I hope you go from Arizona, and I hope you put together a coalition of – honestly, I'm – we're pissed off Americans. What I see going on right now, it just angers me. And yeah. I'm a patriotic dude. I love 
love this country. Yeah. I don't even want to go anywhere anymore. Yeah. And I like going to Europe. Well, I like traveling. I don't want to go anywhere this anymore. Is our, this is the only United States there is. <laughs> there's nowhere else. I mean, It's you know. the last free great hope of the world. Exactly. And when you pull people in every country on planet Earth who want to immigrate to a country, this is the number one. Then you can take the next 20 countries and add them up, and it's still smaller than who wants to come here. And it's not because we're a bunch of racist assholes. Let's talk about the elephant in the living room because you're going to be you're going to talk about it your whole career and you're going to be sick of talking about it. So let's get it out of the way. <laughs> talk to me. You you've had a very kind of uh, you've actually had a continental existence growing up in Europe. Sure did. Um, talk to me about uh, how race has affected you personally. Uh, and I I I guess I've encountered when I talk to people because I'm I will grab strangers and talk about race with them. Yeah. Because I don't want to hear what CNN wants to tell me about race. The talking I talk heads. To people. Yeah. Um. Talk to me a little bit about, have you seen, like I've experienced bias mm -hmm. uh, and it's, I, I could never complain about it because yeah. I got the world by the ass and I hustle every day. Yep. Uh, but it's, I see people around me of every race, creed, color, and religion who hustle every day and mm -hmm. I'm more like them than yeah. retired white ladies who are yeah. voting the Democratic Party. You're, yeah, your side hustle. So yeah. everybody's got a hustle going on and for people who are hustling and cutting their way through the life, I, 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 let me... I was during the Trump presidency. Mm -hmm. We started shutting down the country, yeah. and I heard this. He had a he brought up a Guatemalan garage owner yeah. that worked on cars, mm -hmm. and he reminded me of my Greek grandfather who had a Greek accent who okay. had a trucking business. All right, and I I felt more akin to that guy than yeah. almost any Democrat I ever meet. Yeah, and then they had this guy who was blacker than four feet up a bull's ass Nigerian. <laughs> <laughs> He, I'm, I think I'm going to use that. <laughs> I think I'm going to use that. He was Nigerian. That's what my grandfather would have said. He was a sheriff here in Arizona. Blue black. So. Oh, yeah. He was, and, and, and had a broken accent, and yeah. he's straight from Nigeria. And the Nigerian population is interesting. They succeed really well in the they United do. States. They do. And he was talking about his family's restaurant and how it had been impacted. And I was like teary-eyed, and I was going to the GoFundMe to give him money because I felt more connected to these two guys who, on the surface... Everyone guys, a hillbilly marine knife making white bearded motorcycle. They put you ride. in a box. They yeah. put you in a box. And I was connected to those guys yeah. and I had this warmness in my heart about these guys who were not born here and they were more American than exactly. most people you meet. Exactly. I've talked a lot about America is the only country you can choose to be it, even if you aren't it yet. Yeah. If you value personal liberty and human freedom and all of that, really. Personal responsibility, accountability. Yeah. So I guess I that brings us to Donald Trump. It puts you in an interesting column. Being a, uh, a, a Talk to me a little bit about how race has impacted you or if it hasn't or if it's been there but it's never really it's been little bumps to hop across it's yeah. never really been a block give me a little give so, us a sense of that so uh my my uh, family actually kind of came from the south and my grandfather uh was in alabama we had in mississippi and, and also texas and jeez my family was too how old are you yeah i'm 55 oh geez we're about the same age oh, too hey we may have the same mom and, my, and daddy my, my, my dad was in the air force too. Uh oh uh oh yeah uh oh maybe that's why my, my mom would let my dad go to <laughs> go by himself so uh they grew up in you know they were in the south and and they talked to me about racism you know lynching couldn't be couldn't vote couldn't ride on a bus couldn't you know, when my parents would drive across country when I was very, very young, like in 60, 67, 68, to go to another Air Force base, they had to they had to route, make their kind route. Kind of be careful. 
Yeah. Yeah. So they so where to stop at? Mm-hmm. You know where they could eat at? This crap now. This isn't racism. This is entitlement. This is victimhood. This is what I am seeing. This is when I say entitlement now. I mean, r- reparations? Really? Are you kidding me? This is the this is a country where a person can make the most of themselves, be successful. Look at you in your business. Former military, you've got a you've got a multi million dollar business, and you did it from hard work. You you can do that. Me, I ran for office in a district that's less than three percent black. Now, come oh, on. when I met you, it was funny. We met, and he walks up, and we said hi. I go, whoa, whoa, whoa wait a minute. You're a black man named Blackman like, from Snowflake, Arizona. Well, yeah, Are yeah, you, you kidding me? Yeah, I said, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I got to bring you up there. We can do some hunting. <laughs> oh, yeah. I would love to. Yeah. So so my parents taught me and my grandparents taught me that hard work wins. And if, if, if you put forward, you you know, you got to gig. You got to side hustle. That's legal. Okay. Legal. Right. You can make it. And if you don't make it, it's no one's fault. You just look at it, reevaluate and go, go at it again or do a self-assessment. If I want to be a doctor, but I can't stand blood, and I and I and I can't pass the the academics, then maybe I don't need to be a doctor, and maybe it's not because of my skin color. So looking at race and it's a little different for me. And then growing up overseas, guys I played ball with, I mean, you didn't look at that. You just looked at somebody who was your friend, people that you hung out with. It's here in the United States, the left. They want to continue to push a narrative that anybody black or brown has a disadvantage because of something that happened over 200 and something years ago, which is garbage. I think it's a opportunistic. Uh, it's a lie. They've there is a feeling of everybody. You know, I, I've said this before. I'm, I'm I don't know. This sounds really weird. I know. And it's almost condescending. I don't mean it to be. I, I saw more African-Americans vote conservative than oh, yeah. ever. Yeah. And there are a lot more. And I'm the thing is, is like I was kind of proud about that. I was like, all right, because that it probably means it's a battle of ideas, and it's not just color that we're voting with. Well, we when look- I see ninety percent of black people vote for Barack Obama, I kind of got it. I was like, good, let's get this glass ceiling broken. Fine. That's a bad reason to vote for somebody because of their ethnic. It is a horrible right. reason, yeah. but it happened. It happened. And it happened. and and so now we get that out of our system, and I was like, okay, can we just? Elect people on the content of what they represent, what yeah. they stand for. Content of the character. Didn't the guy say that? Yeah. yeah, I remember that guy. Yeah, yeah, content of a character. So so you didn't, uh, you haven't personally uh, experienced heavy racism? Oh, yeah. But you have? Yeah. Okay. But it's... it's Talk it's, to me a little bit about it, because it sounds to me like your grandparents, my grandparents were seminal in my formation. Yeah. Um, it sounds like your grandparents and your parents taught you, doesn't matter what everybody else does, personal accountability, you can make it happen. Yeah. But it wasn't the kind of racism that is being normalized in the news today. The, ex- the racism that I experienced mm-hmm. was from the left, was from Democrats, was from liberals. Okay, t- t- give me an example. <laughs> oh, give yeah. me an example. So, for example. You mean uh, like you can't get your driver's license? It's oh, not fair? Yeah, yeah, I don't know how to get my driver's license. <laughs> we don't know how to work the internet. I mean, come on. That's appalling. And it's insulting. Yeah. So, uh, like they're having a 1955 argument. Yeah. And that was like, you know, 70 really? years ago. Uh, here's here's my ID. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, so, tell me, how, how do they? We were at an event, um, and there were Republican tables and Democrat tables. And my daughter, uh, who was 11 at the time, uh, was handing out brochures. Okay, of of me and she. I mean, she didn't know the difference. I mean, she really didn't know the difference of, you know, a, a Democrat. Or, I mean, she didn't care. She was eleven, you know. Right. So she goes up to a Democrat table, 
She hands him my brochure and the lady at the table who is a Democrat wearing a Democrat shirt says, I don't take brochures from little nigglets. Oh, shit. To an 11-year-old girl. Oh, my God. My daughter didn't know what it was. So she comes back to the, to the table. And I, you haven't met my wife, but she's a firecracker. She happens to be a white lady. I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> she's she good looking, too. Uh, oh, yeah. she got. I got me one. So. <laughs> I used, to have a, I used to have a friend you say, I got me one. So. Oh, man, that's fantastic. But, but here's the deal. Uh, when my daughter went to my wife and said, you know, hey, what is what is a nigglet? So my wife is like, you know, army wife. Oh, she's ready to start swinging. Oh, yeah. She goes over the table and just just hands, you know, the lady her 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 her, her, her ass, basically. But that's the kind of stuff that I've, I've ex- we've experienced people uh, uh, calling me bootlecker, uh, Uncle Tom, which if you look up Uncle Tom wasn't a bad guy. You know, I don't know. You know, you know what it is? It's because they think they own black people. They, yeah, they think they own black people. They think they own you, so they think you're a traitor. Exactly. And exactly. and and the the only way you know, my dad's a psychologist, okay, and he mm. ever, he says when the reaction is this and the action is this, yeah. what's the rest of it? What else is going Ex- on? Exactly. And exactly. The, what you see is this reaction where they're having a reaction like you're stepping off the plantation, and that's what it is. And off and, the liberal plant- plantation. Yeah. When I see that, I'm you know, there's this racism of low expectation. There's this liberal plantation of being captured captured by ideas. And the first time I heard it mentioned was Malcolm X when I was reading Malcolm X. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I think I know what you're going to say on this. One. Well, I'm not even going to go there. But, you know, he's he was making it very clear. You know, yeah. you have to think for yourself. Now, he, yeah. he had an extreme that he, he was. He was very extreme. But and, however, he did and, say. And he earned it, though. I mean, he yeah. had a right to be extreme. It, from where he came from, he yeah. had a right to. Yeah. Right now? Yeah, maybe not so much. No, he said the worst the worst group of Americans for Black Americans are liberals, mm-hmm. or or as a white liberal. That's yeah. exactly. What I, I know. I remember saying yeah, that. Yeah, was, yeah, yeah. But you know, I've I've been exposed to racism, but not the type of racism that people will think. You know, the old country redneck uh, person. No, it's 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 white liberals. Who have been racist not only to me but to my family? We've had death, death threats. So, I mean, all, all that stuff, you know. So you know, I've wrestled with it my whole life, and uh, <laughs> because my grandfather was a cop here in the '40s, white guy out mm-hmm. of out of uh, West Texas. My yeah. grandmother was out of Mississippi. Oh man, they had the first integrated restaurant in Chandler where wow. Indians, blacks, and whites could all eat together. Wow. And it wasn't like they were big, they were not liberals. Mm-hmm. Although he was a Democrat, he was a Democrat in the old, yeah. uh, he was an old-fashioned Democrat. Um, I've wrestled with this kind of country southern kind of bigotry floating around in the background of my makeup. And, uh, you know, I think it's dishonest to not be wrestling with those things and not be thinking about those things. And I see people overcompensating. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's because they're not acknowledging those demons that float around in us where we judge people. Yeah. It's easy to judge people superficially. Yeah. Um, and uh, I like being I, I like being surprised when my prejudices as, as I confront them are displaced. Yeah. Yeah, this is this is how I confront the 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 race, the white liberal racist. This is and I and I call them that and I and I point to abortion. Yeah. So if we look if we look just demographically, and and the data speaks for itself, there are more black babies that are aborted every single day up to the tunes of about thirteen hundred black babies that are aborted by a program that is supported by liberals. 
by a program that was founded by a person named Margaret Singen. Her, oh, yeah. Yeah, her goal was to do away with the black population. And right. That, and, and, and see, the thing that I, I grapple with every single day, Let's if we take out everything that the left gives to the black community, I can only speak to the black community, okay? If we take out all that and just leave the fact that they are committing genocide, how in the world could a black American today, knowing that, of thinking, of sound thinking, support an organization that is actively committing genocide? And it's because of brainwashed. Right. So we brainwash the black community and give them all these good these giveaways like generational welfare. And I mm-hmm. said it, and some folks are probably be pissed off because I'm saying that on your show. That takes away, we takes that that's the sign the shiny object. But the real crime that the Democrat Party has uh, has 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 put on the black community is abortion. And I'm not just talking early stage abortion. I'm talking all stage with a higher number of late term abortion. Tom O'Halloran, who's a Democrat, has voted every time with Nancy Pelosi for late term abortion, where he is actively when you take a vote like that, actively exterminating the black population. So you want to talk about racism yeah let's talk about the i compare the democrat party and their abortion policies the same as what hitler was doing to the jews i'm gonna uh i'm gonna say that it's a it's an ugly byproduct of a blindsided issue they have which is women rights women's rights are the most important thing to them to the point of women's superiority the women's preference women's everything and, and okay fine um I see what's going on in New York right now. It's pretty amazing. It's oh. a form of racism that is hidden in public policy. Yeah. So you talk about systemic racism in this country, and I don't really see systemic. I, I see isolated racism yeah. as well as isolated bias. I mean, you know what you don't want to be? You don't want to be a fat 68-year-old anybody in this yeah. country because yeah. fat old people are fucking yeah. their persona not wrong. <laughs> yeah. Um, you, talk, you know, I see what's going on in New York where they're talking about these vaccine passports. And you see almost 70% of the African-American population is not vaccinated or doesn't want it or doesn't trust the government for a variety of historic reasons. Yeah, the Skeegee experiment. Maybe I don't want the government giving me a shot. Yeah, yeah. They gave us a lot of shots. and then yeah, I'm a cracker out here in Arizona. I don't want the shot, you know. (laughs) So anyway, uh, I see them doing these, you know, you can't go in public buildings, you can't get public services, you can't go to restaurants, you can't do, you You can't can't go go to to school. And you can't go to school unless you have the vaccine. I'm like, and it and it's and like ninety percent of the white people in New York have got the vaccine. Exactly. So they basically they're making a rule that blocks out seventy exactly. percent of black people. And I'm shaking my head, going, "Are you are you guys morons?" And that and that's well, you know, I don't know, Jim Jim Crow two point There's, I mean, uh, the Dem- it's COVID JC. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. COVID Jim Crow. COVID Jim Crow. <laughs> but they're doing the same thing. I mean, you, you nailed it right on the head. It's crazy. So, you know, these folks are being left out. Well, listen, uh, absolute pleasure having you in. Is there anything else you'd like to cover with me? We could talk about Afghanistan, the uh, the absolute vacancy of leadership and the crime that's been committed against humanity. Um, yeah. We talk about uh, a party, uh, the Democrat Party. The current president is, uh, you know, obsessively women's rights oriented and they've just abandoned millions of women yeah yeah they have for real yeah and they're and, they're and little be, boys and they're gonna be getting their heads cut off they're gonna get their heads cut off they're gonna be beaten to death in the streets they're gonna be raped but how and it's know, not it's not theory it's no it's like, real it's real gonna happen it's real but what will we expect from a group of people who don't value life here right if it's okay to 
I, I know it's, you know, it's but... so frustrating. Hey. And, and so we end up having conversations about, you know, we're arguing about driver's licenses. Oh my God. Okay. Goodness. Which yeah. is the dumbest argument ever that all Americans have conceded is reasonable. Um, like 86% of Americans a- approve of ha- needing a driver's license to vote. We're having massive public arguments about that and COVID. And then people are getting their heads cut off. Right. Yeah. Americans yeah. too. Because yeah. we've, we've abandoning everything. Yeah. We've got tens of thousands of Americans that are, that are abandoned. Can't get on the, the air bases now because they're, they're already corn off. Now what, now you were in a, you were in the Marine Corps and I'm just going to, I mean, here we go. I could see it, I could see it bowling up on you. <laughs> what commander evacuates their military before civilians? Um, it's what happens when you have people with degrees in gender and ethnic studies running the government. Exactly. Because the Politburo of Joe Biden's administration is actually running the White House. Because oh, yeah. he ought to goddamn well know better. Well, yeah, He's he, on the wrong side of everything for the last well, 50 years. Well, but he did say that he was, the, or they pushed it, he was the most experienced foreign policy expert out there. And he couldn't even get this right. My, my, you know. Unbelievable. So, so, so here, here's, I'm like, Biden shouldn't be there because, no. because he's vacant. He is vacant. He, he is a commander in chief that's derelicted his, his duties. My argument, it's not so much with this old guy who is senile. He shouldn't <clears> be in there. My argument is with the folks that are pushing this and the yeah. folks that have to make those decisions. So I'm talking about the Lloyd Austins, who is the the, uh, the defense secretary. Yeah. I'm talking about the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. I'm talking about the rest of these folks who were seasoned intelligent analysts. They knew that this was going to happen. They briefed the president this, this and then they allowed it's it. It's the worst of the worst. Exactly. So I, I said there's incompetence and then there's malfeasance. And to have this many people all exactly. agree to do the wrong thing is malfeasance. Exactly. Exactly. So let's talk about the last thing and let it go because I know you got things to do. The Trump election. Oh, my goodness. Um, are you hearing any scuttlebutt about the report supposed to come out next week? Is Are they still saying it's going to happen next yes, week? Yes, yes. It's, it's, it's going to come out. The Senate uh, is actually heading that up. Um, I would like it would be to be both chambers, but the Senate took it up. It's going to come out. And my, I'm a conspiracy theorist, and and oh, you are, yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll say that, you know. But here's the deal: I think that they know that all this stuff is going to be coming up about the elections because we got other states that are getting ready to do it too, and these reports are going to come out. What better way to distract everybody? Exactly. I said it in my podcast yesterday. I said, "What? Why would you ever? This doesn't make sense to an eight-year-old." Exactly. And they all agreed on it. Exactly. And Is then, this three card Monty? Exactly. And then you've got some Democrats, the 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 fake news that are saying, "Wow, this is this is weird. Mm-hmm. This is weird." Right. So so these reports are going to be coming out. What better way to take distract. the eye off the ball, distract, and 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 to do something like this? But but we need to look at the globally, the distraction globally, not just Afghanistan. So we got the V Verit, we got the D Verit, we got Afghanistan, we've got the COVID and all that stuff. But what is China doing while all this is happening? They're, they're moving in. They're moving in. They're buying up our country. Yep. We owe more money and in interest to China than we do any other country. And they're just sitting on the sideline kind of just buying up the United States. All right. So uh, I know we don't want to get taken down off YouTube, but do you think the election was clean? No. 
Okay, I, I don't think so either. Are you hearing any scuttlebutt behind the scenes in the uh, halls of people connected that it's, uh, is it is it marginal or is it neg is it big? It's big. Okay. It's big. And I was hearing, I've heard the same thing. I got a friend who's pretty connected in Georgia and yeah. they're telling me like what they're hearing. They can't believe it's not the biggest news story on planet yeah. earth. Yeah. Yeah. So because, and, because the liberal left con controls the media and then all, and you, you know, it's true when all of them coordinatedly say it's not true with no evidence. Exactly. Say, exactly. Oh, that's not true. They have no evidence. They're exactly. all collectively saying that as the evidence is pouring out. I'm like, there's everything but a dead body's blood pouring out from underneath exactly. the door right now. Exactly. So let me tell you what happened to one of my neighbors up in Snowflake. Yeah, <laughs> okay. I know. Yeah. And one of my neighbors happened, and, and this was before the election, before the election. He comes to me and says, hey, you know, I didn't get my ballot, but my wife did, and I've been getting my ballots every year for the last 20-something years. I'm like, okay, well, we'll check it out. Uh, so he goes over to the uh, county clerk's uh, office, asks about the ballot, and lo and behold, he's already voted. Oh, shit. He's already voted. And no, I haven't. And I'm with it. I'm with him. You know? And no, I haven't voted. I usually get my ballot at home. No, you you, you voted. So that... Something nefarious is going on. Yes. So for someone who just out of the blue, before all this happens... We go to the county recorder's office who collects, who, you know, they do the voting and they, no, you, you've already voted. You, you can't vote. So we had to do a provisional ballot. Mm. And that is one of many because when that person came out, other people started coming out. I know. And I've heard so many similar stories down here in town. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. Well, listen, um, absolute pleasure having you come in. I Thanks. know you got stuff to do. I know you're, I've already made you late for your next gig. No, you're I fine. I really appreciate appreciate you coming in. Thanks. And uh, I don't thank anybody for their service. Hey, do you have any websites you'd like to plug or anything to let people know about your election yeah. Or your campaign? Yeah, I do. Go to W. You're going to laugh. www.blackmanforcongress.com. <laughs> <laughs> it's fantastic. Yeah, so www.blackmanforcongress.com. Need your help, need your donations. We can win this, um, and we need real leadership to take back our country. I talk to people all the time. People say, what should we do? And I say, be involved locally because you can really make a big difference locally. Yeah. Um, because at the precinct level, there's, it's easy to steer the group. It's yeah. easy to nudge the group. I don't say take it over, but you can nudge the group and you can also stop chicanery. And you can stop uh, the, the the mess that's going on at the school boards if we get more people to run for school School board's boards. a big one, yeah. We got, sure we got to start shutting down communists in our, in well, our country. We sure do. Yeah. We sure do. Well, thank you so much. Pleasure having you here. I appreciate Thanks you. so much. We are led by very, very stupid people. Very, very stupid people. We cannot let it continue.